Welcome to Real Estate Unscripted, where each week we connect no-nonsense, let's get it done, realtors and lenders from across the country who want to grow our businesses and stay motivated with timely topics and experts in our field. I'm your host, Marjorie Adam. Let's get started. All right. Hello, everyone. I want you to welcome on the show today, Jason Helmenthaler. Jason, say hi to everybody. Hey, everybody out there, Marjorie. I'm glad to be here. Thanks for having me. Looking forward to it. Oh, this is amazing. So guys, today, Jason is a branch partner, a loan officer with Alcova Mortgage. He has an amazing story. We were just talking about often he goes to work in his t-shirt and his shorts and his hey dudes. So I said, I could call him hey dude. He is the most humble person that I have spoken to. And he comes from Allegheny County, which has a population of about 15,000 people. Now he's going to right away tell you that he branches into other markets too. He doesn't want to get too much credit, but let's just start with production, right? He's got a team of, let's say it's five to six loan officers, three to four processors and a production partner. So you have a good size team, but it is not a massive, you hear about these massive teams. And I said, how many loans did you guys do last year? And Jason was like, about 1,130. And I almost fell out of my chair because that's about 80% market share in his area. And so if you're a lender or a realtor that's listening in today, you're like, yeah, how do I do that? So we're going to tell a little bit about his story and how he did this. And the best is starts in Allegheny. First podcast interviewed Bobby Nicely, one of the three founders and owners of Alcova, Allegheny County. And we talked about how they started. And so Jason, talk about how they brought you into the fold right at the beginning of Alcova. I tell the story a bunch. I had graduated from James Madison and came back with a sports management degree. Now, looking back, probably not the greatest decision to focus on sports management and want to live in Allegheny County because there's no professional sports teams, no colleges. Well, I take that back. We now have a community college that offers athletics, but at that time, that wasn't going to be an option for a job. So I went to work for Allegheny County Public Schools as a substitute teacher and got involved with coaching basketball with a good friend of mine who was now the varsity coach, a couple years older than me. I volunteered and joined his staff. Absolutely loved it. Loved being at the school, loved coaching basketball. A lot of teachers there that I had been taught by that gave me a different perspective going back and being their peer. I said, these will be great coworkers. Uh, I really enjoyed them teaching and now have a chance to work with them and kind of cut loose with them and pull back the curtain. And they weren't just teachers. They were actually pretty fun. So I made a decision. I talked to my parents. I said, I want to go back. And the state of Virginia had a program at that point in time where you could go back to college if you had a bachelor's degree and and transition to a teaching license in about a year to 18 months. You would have to just take some student teaching courses. It was really easy. They had a roadmap that would have been easy to follow. So I reached out to Radford at the guidance of someone there in the school system and said, put me in touch with a counselor. And I was going to go to Radford on, let's say, a Wednesday or Thursday. And it was an early appointment. So the fact that they scheduled that appointment early was like divine intervention for me because me not wanting to get up at the butt crack of dawn to drive an hour and a half, I called my buddy Rob Lindstrom, one of 3 a.m., and said, hey, man, I'm coming to Radford. You guys are in Blacksburg. Can I crash on your couch? I got to be at Radford at 830 in the morning, so I don't want to get up here and leave here at 630. He said, sure. He said, come on up. Uh, let's meet for lunch. You know, me, Billy, and Bobby just started a mortgage company. And I said, wow, okay. Yeah, let's meet. So we go to lunch. 
I tell them what I'm going to do, what my plan is. And Bobby's like, dude, y'all just work for us. And I was like, ah, I couldn't tell you what a mortgage is. I said, I really like this coaching thing. I said, let me go do this meeting tomorrow and see what they say at Bradford. And I'll circle back with you or something. I can't remember how they left it. So I went to Radford, and then a day or two later, Bobby, being a great salesperson, he followed up. So Bobby reached back out and went into more detail and said, this is why I think you would be good. You're well-respected in the community. Your family is well-known. The mortgage part you can learn, I can teach you that quickly. You've got the high trust, the ability to communicate and develop relationships. So I thought about it a little bit more, dragging on this phone conversation. He told me what you can make in this industry. And, you know, I'm... 23 and he said numbers i thought that's what ball players made or something like that to the effect and <laughs> was not gonna make that as a teacher so i talked to my parents that night i said they want me to come live with them i'm gonna go up there and live on billy and rob's couch for six months sit at bobby's right hand be his first trainee so i really literally sat to bobby's right for about two to three months i was like an osmosis like a sponge everything he said the way he treated people our values line up, our core values are very similar. So it was easy for me to duplicate what Bobby was doing. I just needed to learn the mortgage part. It took me about six months. And then they said, are you ready to open a second branch in Covington? I said, I guess you tell me if I'm ready or not. So they sent me to Covington back home to my hometown. They said, okay, we've got a little spot rented there on Monroe Avenue. Need you to be there nine to five Monday through Friday and we'll get you a phone number and Good luck. So that was kind of where I was. I remember going to work that first day kind of without Bobby being to my left, being to his right. And I said, what do I do? So I sat there and did nothing for that first day. <laughs> Waited for the phone to ring. Did not ring. So <laughs> I was like, this isn't going to cut it. So day two, I said, I need to go start finding out who I need to talk to. Bobby had done a little bit of business in this area from out of town. And so we had a little bit of connection. So I knew who to go speak with. And so I had to do what most new loan officers hate to do. And that's go talk to you three-eyed unicorns and capes realtor. You intimidate us so much. I stepped out of my comfort zone. I went and spoke with, I think, one realtor a day for those next three days. And I quickly targeted three realtors that was doing I felt like 80% of the business at that time. Three women that were brokers that owned their own uh, realty companies. And I went and spoke to all three of them. They were all three super welcoming. But at the same time, they kept me at arm's length away because I was not the norm. I was not the bank that they had worked with for so many years. I was a mortgage broker at that time. And their experience with mortgage brokers were, they were from out of town. Their accountability was very low. And sometimes the loans went through, sometimes they did. And they weren't quite ready to stake their reputation on sometimes. So I said, I get that, understand completely, but I'm located up here on Monroe Avenue. At any point in time, you can stop by and make sure I'm doing my job. I'm not going to be able to hide from you. I'm going to have to be accountable. I'm going to have to answer to you at some point in time if I don't do my job. So they liked that. So they tested me. They sent me the tough ones that the banks couldn't do. And I learned how to do loans through subprime, countrywide, North Star, all these things where you got a rate sheet each day 
emailed to you or faxed that a lot of them were faxed even at that time. And then basically it just said, call your account rep to find out if you could do the deal. So I would call account reps and give them the scenario and they would say, I think we can do it. So then I had to say, I just had a conversation with these realtors and they don't like sometimes and think. I said, I need to be a little bit more confident in what I learned at a very early age of my career. Do your due diligence up front, get as much material up front as possible so that you can paint the true story. Even if it may take you a little bit longer getting back to that realtor with a we can do it, the fact that you can give them a we can do it and it's pretty much a 100% guarantee that we can do it is a lot better. So that's what I did. And I grinded, I did hard loans, I did tough loans, and then it just trickled down and I earned the trust of those three ladies. And then they kind of shared me with their teams. And from that point on, it's just kind of been a blessing to where we do a huge market share in Allegheny County. Last year, we closed personally, like you said, the 1,130 loans as a team. But personally, I did about 446, and I would say probably three and a quarter to 350 of those were in Allegheny County between purchase and refinance transactions. With the a population of 15,000 people. Let's just be clear on that, everyone. That means some of those are kids, right? A lot of married couples cuts that number in about half. It's not a huge community, but they have definitely embraced me and we've embraced them back. So let's talk about how they've embraced you because so right away, I started asking you questions and I said, okay, so if you've got now, let's say it's 25 to 30 realtors and you do like to clarify that some of them are in Lexington and Luray and Roanoke, it's not just Allegheny County, right? You do spread out a little bit, which you have to okay. with 15,000 people. And so right away, I was like, okay, do you do a hundred lunch and learns and do you have to do big gifting programs? And what is your process to stay in touch and keep 25 to 30 realtors happy? Because I'm going to be honest as a realtor, whoo. Good on you. And you said, nope, I don't really do any of that. So what do you do? Like I told you earlier, my biggest calling card is accountability and trust. As a realtor, all the educational stuff and the lunch and learns are great. Don't get me wrong. There's people that add a lot of value to realtors. But for you, ultimately, I think as a realtor, you just want it to be transactional as much as possible with a personal touch. And when I say transactional, it means a closing. That's all we're shooting for is a closing. So my goal is to not only get us to that closing, but I want them to get them to that closing as fun, as stress-free, and as timely as possible. Because that's going to be their lasting impression. Marjorie and Jason helped them get this house. I want them to come back to Marjorie and Jason three and a half years from now when they buy that upgrade. And for us to do that, it's a partnership. You've got to do your job as the realtor, and I've got to do my job as the lender. And when they come together, it's a great marriage. I feel like I do that very well. And I think my realtors appreciate that. Another thing, I went to a Todd Duncan High Trust Academy early on, and I partner sell. I always take the opportunity opportunity to cross sell my realtor partners and just highlight you're really linked up with a winner in Marjorie and you couldn't have found a better one for your area. She'll do a great job for you. And then also when I refer people to realtors, I don't necessarily go down a list. I try to match that client up with the realtor that I think their personalities are going to hit and match because the last thing I want to do is set up a bad blind date. So I want to set up 
a great blind date. I want them to take that into the marriage scene of the mortgage and home buying, which is a closing, the marriage ceremony. So that's one way I've thought about that is if I've got somebody that's really uptight, I'm going to probably want to put them with a realtor that's going to be on point with callbacks and stuff like that. But if I have a client that's just a good old boy that wants a really laid back experience, then I'll try to match them with a more of a laid back realtor. So I think that is important. I've kind of used that term before. I don't want to set up a bad blind date because everybody's going to be mad at you for setting them up. But clearly your reputation, you cannot be in a town of 15,000 people, do this many loans, have a continued business, have the realtors trust you and keep coming back to you without knowing that they can count on you. You mentioned a couple things to me earlier. One, you do generational loans, which is everyone's dream. Like locally, you might end up with the parents and then the kids and then the grandkids, right? Like generational loans are what we all want. If we could just all have a generational business. Frankly, it's a warm generational business. I thought that was fantastic. And in the community, so you definitely, you have your realtor partnerships clearly, but it's that continued business. I mean, your clients come back to you and look, sometimes people say, gosh, I think I do a really good job and I communicated and we really excel, but they don't always come back. Something happens, some noise gets in the way. You also do a lot. You said like common interest events, like you're really involved in the community. Now you're definitely a sports guy, right? Because you literally went to school for sports management. So you definitely are involved, but tell us some things you do in the community? How do you stay involved in the community? It started with coaching. Once I went to work for Alcova, I did have to quit teaching and being a substitute teacher and teacher's aide, but Alcova did allow for me to continue to be a volunteer basketball coach. So I volunteered and coached basketball for nine or 10 years. Through that, one former basketball player is now a loan officer for me, and I've done loans for countless numbers of basketball players that played for me. So staying involved with school was the first thing. Then as we became more successful and we started to increase our budget, how can we spend our money to be more effective? Every business comes to that point in their path. For me, I think I made a great decision. I wasn't going to spend that money on advertising. We did the local TV ads. I think we came on at one time during wrestling which really was led for some great loan applications. We've done the radio stuff. The reason I advertise on radio is we pay a sponsor to have the local high school football games on the radio for shut-ins and for family relatives that can't make it to the ballpark anymore. So that was a great way for me to advertise. But when we came to that crosshairs, I said, Jason, how can you spend your money that's going to get the best bang for your buck? And I made a decision that I'm going to invest my money into the community. And by that, I mean, it's nothing to go to a T-ball game and you'll see Alcova playing Alcova because they couldn't sell all the sponsorships. We would sponsor teams at every age, girls and and boys. And And when I had a little bit more time on my hand, I would actually even try to get to a game that Alcova was playing in. And we'd do snow cones after the game or something like that. So... As sports is involved in our community, we've got travel teams that we sponsor because I think they're great. It gives the kids an opportunity to compete at a higher level, showcase their skills and learning a little bit more. But we don't limit it to sports. One of the things I'm most proud of is we've always been that business that you can call on to give opportunity for children that may not have the opportunity to do things. And I had a teacher that knew that that was going to be right up my alley. And I think we're going to start getting back into that post-COVID where these groups can take field trips to New York City or D.C. 
And there is a cost associated with that for kids. And some kids, they just don't have it, especially in the inflation market that we're living in now. They don't have the extra 200 $250 to fork over so that their child can go to D.C. with their classmates. So the school knew that, and they weren't going to just say, okay, you're not going to go. They're going to use the resource of local community leaders. And I'm not going to say Alcove is the only one because there's a lot of people in our area that will step up. So that's where we spend our money. We don't do a lot of marketing materials. When I think there's something that realtors need to know, like when there's big changes in the industry, we will get together. We just invest in the community that's invested so much in us. I just think that's a question that everyone could stop and answer, right? So right now, where am I spending money? especially as the market's shifting, because I feel like I have to like, ooh, leads are slowing down. I got to buy leads at Zillow and I got to go do this. How can I add value to my community is something that you can never go wrong. Like being a giver's gain is absolutely true. There is no time ever where doing something for others has not only made you just feel good and know that you're making a difference, but it absolutely comes back to you in many ways. So I love that we can have everyone take a pause and say, okay, how can I add more value to the community? Like whether it be kids or pets or homeless, there's so many things we can do. So the fact that you do that is also why your community is invested in your success. And I'll give you another great example. We don't do this. This is something that's in my horizon. I've come up with this idea. We've got involved with athletic programs at Virginia Tech and Liberty. And it's made me think that they've given us opportunities to promote our business at those venues. And you could go out and buy the little foam footballs and throw them out. And 40% of them are going to end up on the parking lot. And that's going to be somebody's trash I have to pick up. So I suggested, and I'm going to do this at the local level, I hope starting next year, I'm going to go out and buy one of those golf carts that have like three seaters. And I'm going to put Alcoba all over it and go do pick up seniors that have to walk in those parking spots to the gates. Now, it's easy to do that at the college level because there's a lot of branding and marketing and stuff, but I want to do that locally at the high school because I thought myself, my dad, he still goes to sporting events and he struggles walking to things. And I thought if I was a consumer and somebody came and picked my dad up and drove him to the game, that would leave a lasting impact Absolutely. on me as opposed to somebody giving me the phone finger or the phone football with their phone number. <laughs> it's but. absolutely true. Because you think about it, my dad's actually in the hospital right now. And so when even in the parking garage now, they have the carts, which I was like, oh, that's great. Because yeah, yeah. sometimes you end up really far away from even the entrance to then get on an elevator or steps to walk even further. Yeah. So that is something that, again, is thinking of others. You should do it yeah. on any level. Plus, you get to meet yeah. people. And how would a great conversation you get to have with someone for a few minutes Right. The tunes jamming and just get the strobe lights on it. I think it would be really cool. Our plan is to definitely do it at the local level. I don't know if we'd ever be able to do it at colleges. It's just one of those things. If I can encourage anyone for their, their budget, marketing people, TV and radio people may hate me saying this, but maybe think outside of that box and think, how can I spend my money to impact others? Because if you impact someone, there's a difference in marketing to somebody and impacting someone. Oh, completely. Marketing, I don't know what the statistics are there, but if you can impact someone, I would say that the ratio for conversion would be through the roof. There is no doubt. Plus, you feel good. Anytime you can do something for someone else, you start in the morning with gratitude and you say what you're grateful for. It's really hard to be in a cranky mood. 
Right. But thinking of others, helping others, we've got a bunch of projects we're working on as a team this year, which we're super excited about locally. There's two other things I need to cover with you. One thing I love is you told me that one of the reasons for your continued success is you outwork the competition. Talk about that a little bit. It's no secret sauce. I had teachers back in the day that used, of course, I don't think teachers can say this anymore, but the kids. I can remember a teacher telling me that, keep it simple, stupid. Just don't overthink it. I've been asked to mentor loan officers and teach classes. And the first thing I say is, are you willing to work? Because if you're looking for a way to do more loans with less time, there may be people out there that can do it. I'm not discrediting that, but that's not my forte. Mine is I'm going to challenge myself every day to compete for the most loans in the company. When things get lean, as far as the numbers, like we're going through that now, the numbers are down. There's just no ifs, ands, or buts about it. And I can sit there and say, okay, I agree with the statistics and those numbers will be even less then, or I can basically do what I need to do to keep those numbers from being not as drastic. So I just try to work hard. I try to work smart. I don't want to waste a lot of time. I call it grinding. If you're slow, don't just sit there and say, I'm slow today. Go back and look at people maybe you have pre-approved that hasn't bought a home yet. Just touch base with them because you don't know they may have been pre-approved through you and one of these online lenders that do the Super Bowl commercials that are on TV constantly has at least piqued their interest and they may be thinking about such and such mortgage companies all over the Sunday football games, I should at least see what they've got to say. Don't give them an opportunity. Reach out. If you find yourself slow, there's something you can do to generate a loan. And just challenge yourself. Don't sit there and do nothing. You can generate a loan, but it's also, this is absolutely the time where what education pieces do you need? How much training does your team need? If there's systems that you need to revamp or update, if there are classes you need to take, if there's mentorship you need to do, we're redoing website and materials. We're updating things. Every one of us is taking classes. I just did a two-day seminar. We're reading good business books that we need to do. So to me, I feel like I'm busier than ever now in a good way, because busy can be a bad way. I'm productive implementing a lot of things. Are we selling as much as I'd like? No, but are we in front of our clients? Are we bettering ourselves? Are we going to make it so the experience is even better later? So to me, it's like, there's too much still to do and all these things, you know, you need to do. And for you, like you told me, you, you get to work at 930, you leave at 530, you go home, you have an adopted one-year-old, which is awesome. So you yeah. have dinner time and you have bath time and everything. And then many nights you'll work 830 to midnight. Now, you might be watching whatever the sporting event is on, right? Whatever season you're in, but you're getting to work. And then on weekends, you're still working. And you said you work evenings and weekends, maybe 65, 70 hours a week. But if we think about it, you also take great vacations. You go to the Super Bowl with your son. Like you get to do these things because you work hard, but you get to play hard and you're going to be retire when, in, you know, when it's time for you very comfortably. But you also love what you do, right? I don't think you could put in the time you put in if you didn't love it. It would be a chore and no. not a passion. In a small community, I get no more joy out of driving around and seeing people that I did the mortgage for in their front yard. If I ride by a house and I see a father-son playing catch in a yard I financed, that's like a World Series for me. It hits home. Like that is why you do what you do. Like I said, there's no better feeling than that for me. 99.9% .9 of the time when somebody comes in here and tells me that they're interested in a house and they give me the address, 
I know where that house is. Um, <laughs> growing up, my parents owned the floors. So one of my first jobs was I was a hop out for the delivery guy. And then as I got my driver's license, I became the delivery person. So I've delivered to 1137 Potts Creek Road, or I've been to Bent Mountain Road, or I've been to Dumbrack Circle. That has helped me immensely because I know this community like the back of my hand. And like, for example, they say, I want to do a USDA loan on this house. I think to myself, those houses were pretty old back when I was delivering flowers. I probably need to trigger a conversation. What kind of shape is the house in? Because that factors into whether you can do a USDA loan. We're not getting two and a half weeks into the process. And the appraiser telling me that we've got an issue with uh, a USDA loan, but I'm able to kind of have those conversations up front. That's amazing. And so we're going to finish with you. We're talking about Tony Bennett's five pillars. UVA, I am here in Charlottesville, Virginia. Virginia is funny, right? Because it's like Virginia Tech UVA. So we're not trying to polarize on the sport, but his five pillars that he teaches his team that he works from, you also have adopted as yours, right? I have, and I've adopted it in the, the sense of that's how I lead. I don't go out and infringe on his copyright, but I have challenged myself to lead and work under those pillars, which they are starting with humility for me. It's just don't let your success overshadow the honesty or the trustworthiness. Just stay humble and teach that to your team. And I've been able to do that. Passion. Tony Markland's close. I'll give Tony his props. We'll call it a tie. As competitive as I am, Saying something's a tie is the ultimate tribute to Tony, but I try to match his passion for his clients, for his realtors, and for his profession. And that's what it is. It's a profession. And if you're passionate about it, that's going to shine through. And if you're passionate, your team can be passionate. Unity is the third pillar. I have built a team of not only teammates, but best friends, good friends, people that have had my back for a long time, people that I know. If I need them to work extra, they'll do it. It's nothing for my processing team. In 2021, you don't close 1,130 loans if your processors aren't willing to work past no, no the clock. No doubt. So my team, I can't say enough about my team. They're great. The loan officers, I don't hire a bunch of loan officers, but the ones I've hired have been with me for a long time. And they're great at what they do. They challenge me. I challenge them. But in the end, it's a great relationship. Servanthood. We've talked about that throughout the episode. You know, how much you do for others, whether that's your clients or the realtors in the transaction. But more importantly for me, it's what do I do for the community? What do I do for others that I find enjoyment and fulfillment out of and impact the lives of others? And then the last thing is thankfulness. I wake up every day. And I thank the Lord for the opportunity I was given. I was just kind of right place, right time, right market. And I got an opportunity in Allegheny County. And in my opinion, when I do retire 35 years from now, I think I'll be able to say I gave it my all with that opportunity I was given. And I'm truly thankful for it. And I'll never take it for granted what this community has done for me. And that's why you're going to stay successful. That's why you are where you are, because you are humble. You are thankful. You give back. The community embraces you because you are one of their own. 
right? They know they can count on you and you take care of them, which is what everyone needs to aspire to be. It doesn't necessarily give you 1,130 loans, but that's not everyone's goal. Like you've taken this to an amazing amount. And I know you don't focus on that and we don't either, but that is an astronomical level of success. That's really, yes, you had an opportunity, you made the most of it, but a lot of people get an opportunity and then don't work as hard as you do. We have an opportunity and then we also get spoiled. Oh, this used to work, or I don't have to work hard anymore. And you just haven't done that. So I am so excited. Thank you, Jason, for letting me interview you today. A lot of people have a lot to learn from you. And this is the best part about what I get to do. And so I just want to thank everyone again for listening also to Real Estate Unscripted. Real Estate Unscripted is sponsored by Alcova Mortgage. Alcova is committed to simplifying the mortgage process. Check out the tools we offer to realtors and homebuyers at alcova.com slash realtors. Alcova Mortgage, equal housing lender. NMLS ID number 40508, nmlsconsumeraccess.org. Before we go, please show us some love by subscribing on your listening platform of choice and leaving us a review on Apple Podcasts. Make sure you share this with your friends and be sure to listen in next week. Until then, this is Marjorie Adam. Don't forget to check out the show notes for a recap. This podcast was made possible by listeners like you. Thank you so much for your support.